Real estate can be a wonderful way to make money, but it's typically not a place you want to be putting your last dollar and betting everything you have in one investment. You do want to spread things around and diversify, even if you're just diversifying amongst deals. Welcome to Surgeon Syndicate. If you're paying attention, you know that you only make money when you work. It might be great money, but it's dependent on you. The information on this podcast will help you solve that. We interview experts and provide analysis into financial freedom through commercial real estate. Why? To help physicians like you thrive. Let's dive in. Welcome to the show. Today's show, we're going to be talking about being an accredited investor. Before we get started, let's have a word from our sponsors. Today's show is sponsored by Fortress Capital private equity company that I founded to help physicians build passive income through commercial real estate. Just a funny thought. I was going through that intro, being a physician, being used to dictating. Can't tell you how hard it was to not read the periods into those statements. Anyway. Okay. So today we're talking about accredited investors and non-accredited investors. When it comes to real estate syndication, much of the time, syndicators will be looking for accredited investors. Now, most physicians will qualify as accredited investors, but some early on may not. And you may also have friends or family or other associates you work with. I know quite a few CRNAs or nurses who are interested in real estate, but especially if they're earlier in their career, may not meet the accredited qualification. So what is an accredited investor? This comes from the SEC website. To be an accredited investor, you have to qualify either financially or professionally. Financial criteria is a net worth over a million dollars, excluding your primary residence, or an income over $200,000 individually, or $300,000 with a spouse or partner in each of the prior two years, and reasonably expecting the same for the current year. Now, if you don't meet the income criteria or net worth criteria, there are professional criteria. The professional criteria are investment professionals in good standings holding General Securities Representative License Series 7, Investment Advisor Representative License Series 65, or a Private Securities Offering License Series 82, Also, directors, executive officers, or general partners of companies selling the securities or a GP of that company and any family client of a family office that qualifies as a creditor investor or investors in a private fund, knowledgeable employees of the fund. So how can you invest in real estate syndications if you're not a credit investor? Why is this important? A lot of it comes down to that many syndicators do have high minimum investments. The reason for this is the more investors you have, the more accounting costs you have, the more K-1s you have to produce. And that's often why quality syndicators require a minimum of $100,000. They're looking to limit the number of investors so there isn't as much accounting paperwork and they don't have to produce as many K-1s. Now, the other part of this is as somebody syndicating, looking for people that aren't pouring their life savings into this. Real estate can be de-risked. It can be a wonderful way to make money, but it's typically not a place you want to be putting your last dollar and betting everything you have in one investment. You do want to spread things around and diversify, even if you're just diversifying amongst deals. 
So if you want to get in at these higher rates, there's a couple of ways to do that. You can form an investing club where if you have friends and family who want to invest, kind of see things the same with a club, you can divvy up responsibility for doing your due diligence and you can pool money to meet some of those higher minimum requirements. Now, when you do this and you want to check this with your tax professional, your club can be formed as an LLC, but your club will also need to meet these criteria of accredited investors for the club, which typically means that everybody in the club is an accredited investor. But that is one way to pool money to meet these higher requirements. The second way is looking for deals that require non-accredited investors. Now, how does this work? So going back to the SEC rule book here, rule 506B basically states that companies conducting an offering under rule 506B can raise unlimited amounts of money and can sell securities to an unlimited number of accredited investors. However, there are two caveats to this. One, they cannot generally solicit or advertise these offerings. That means you're not going to find ads for these. This is why you'll see companies have advertisements you may find on LinkedIn or Facebook that say, schedule a call to talk to us. And we've talked about these calls before. These calls establish a relationship. Once you have this relationship, you can bring investors in and it's no longer a solicited offer. If you've had a conversation, you receive their mailings, and now you get in on a new investment they're offering, that typically isn't considered advertising. It's up to the company to meet those requirements. The other is securities may not be sold to more than 35 non-accredited investors. So that means each deal can have 35 non-accredited investors. So there is a little room for non-accredited investors. But again, minimum offerings all come down to reducing operating costs. Now, if non-accredited investors are participating in the offering, then there are three things they must do. They must give the non-accredited investors disclosure documents that generally can contain the same type of information provided in Regulation A offerings. The company is not required to provide specific disclosure documents to accredited investors but if it does provide this to accredited investors, it must provide it to non-accredited investors as well. It must give non-accredited investors a financial statement information specified in Rule 506 and should be available to answer questions from prospective purchasers who are non-accredited investors. Whether you're accredited or not, they should be available to answer questions. So there are some ways for non-accredited investors to participate now, if you said, wait a minute, I want to be able to participate in deals I find. How do I become an accredited investor if I'm not making enough money to meet those qualifications yet? This is where we can look at the professional criteria. I was doing some readings this morning preparing to do this show. I was actually planning on doing it on something else, but I found an interesting article. And this comes from the Valkyrie Group a group I'm not associated with, but they do have some excellent information on their website. And under the professional criteria, they started to discuss different ways 
And the simplest way to become an accredited investor. And basically what they're looking at are these criteria, the Series 7 of a general securities representative, Series 82 for a private security offering representative, and Series 65 of a licensed investment advisor. So the other is being a director, executive officer, general partner of a company selling it or possibly as an employee. But if you're not looking to work for one of these operations because you have your regular W-2 job, then looking at these Series 7's exclusions. Series 7 requires the investor to be sponsored by a member of FINRA. And Series 82 requires employment by a FINRA licensed company. What is FINRA? FINRA is the Financial Industry Regulatory Authority and is a government-authorized, not-for-profit organization that oversees U.S. broker-dealers. So with this, FINRA organizations are basically meaning you have to be sponsored by a firm or an employee of a firm to meet those criteria. Now, it appears though under Series 65, you do not have to be sponsored. So digging into the SEC website here and into the FINRA website, it appears that the only requirements for a Series 65 certification is that you take the exam. The exam consists of 130 scored questions. Candidates have 180 minutes to complete the exam. They must correctly answer at least 92 of those questions. So anybody who's working in healthcare has taken a fair number of exams. And a little looking around, it appears the expectations for taking this exam is about 20 to 40 hours of studying. A lot of this probably depends on how much time you've spent doing investing research or spent time controlling your own investments before. Fees about $200. And that's it. And now you are an accredited investor. So a quick recap, accredited investors are typically required in most syndications. The reason for that is that under the 506B, most deals have to be non-advertised. And this just simplifies the paperwork on the side of the syndication. Most of the time, syndicators are looking for higher dollar minimum investments, which may be $50,000, $100,000, and sometimes more. The reason they do this is to, one, they want to minimize the amount of paperwork and administrative costs associated with sending every investor a K-1. And also at higher limits, you have more financially sophisticated individuals because there really are few syndicators out there who want to see their investors hurt. And they want to have people investing with them that in those chances that even a well-run investment goes a little bit sideways, somebody doesn't have their entire financial future in one deal. And if anybody ever tries to draw you into a deal like pitch in all you got with us, I think that's a bad idea. So the accredited investors, from a government standpoint, it's just regulating who can get into these deals. And again, it's offered as a protection, but there are other ways. The minimum investment numbers we talked about, a, an investing club is a great option where you can pool your resources with other friends and family 
for both research and finances to have higher numbers. You can get into some of these deals that are sometimes great deals that require higher minimum investments. But even with your investing club, you want to talk to a lawyer about how to structure that. Typically, it would be an LLC. The members of the LLC will need to be accredited investors. And key for today is the Series 65 Uniform Investment Advisor Law Exam. You can look this up on the FINRA website, finra.org. With the passing of this exam, what appears to be minimum amount of time and cost, you can be an accredited investor and participate with other credit investors. So thank you for joining us today. It's been great having you here and we look forward to seeing you again soon. This has been an episode of Surgeon Syndicate. If you got value from this episode, you know other surgeons are hungry to become job optional and you can help them by sharing this content today. I'd also love to serve you better. So I wanted to offer you two things. Number one, I'll be able to give you the content in an even better way if you take a moment and leave an honest written review of the show explaining what you like and what you don't. And number two, if you are a surgeon and serious about this, you don't want to do this on your own because you don't want to make mistakes with your money. I'd be happy to help you. Schedule a call and we can make a plan. Looking forward to having you with me on the next episode.